0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nugia-Dean. Today is Tuesday, January 10th. Coming up, residents of Kansas City's west side have seen the highest property tax increases out of any neighborhood in Jackson County. It just ran a lot of poor people completely out. They got scared they don't know how to deal with it. A new plan promises to provide much-needed relief to homeowners. Plus, we'll take a closer look at a new report that says the Catholic Church has helped conceal clergy abuse in Kansas. But first, some headlines. Democratic Kansas Governor Laura Kelly was sworn into her second term yesterday. In a speech, Kelly called for politicians to work together with kindness and civility and urged lawmakers to avoid pitting Republicans against Democrats. Kelly's agenda could face strong opposition from Republican lawmakers. But she says the state overcame partisan politics in her first term to bring stability to a state in a budget crisis.
1: And we did it by working together
0: as one Kansas, not Western, or Eastern, not Democrat
2: or Republican, one Kansas.
0: Republicans hold a supermajority in the House of Representatives and Senate. They can ignore Kelly's proposals and override her vetoes without bipartisan support. Missouri's minimum wage jumped to $12 an hour this year, but KCUR's Beck shackleford Wangonga reports, workers say it isn't enough.
1: LaRon Gillum works two jobs to support himself and his child. After he finishes his full-time job, he heads to the Foot Locker and Ward Parkway Center, where he's paid minimum wage. Gillum says $12 an hour might work for teenagers, but it isn't a livable wage for adults.
2: My part-time job so doesn't really hurt me as much, but for ones who are more dependent on it full-time, it's kind of more of a, like, it's kind of a hard, hard crutch.
1: Going forward, the minimum wage in Missouri will increase at the same rate as inflation. In Kansas, the minimum wage remains stuck at $7.25.
0: A Kansas City charter school will have to pay nearly $1 million to a former student who alleges she was molested by a teacher when she was 11 years old. KCUR's Jody Fortino has more. The former student at Hogan Preparatory Academy said she was singled out and then molested by former teacher Douglas Bliss in 2018. A jury in Jackson County found in favor of the former student on claims of discrimination, battery, and punitive damages against the charter school and bliss on Friday. They awarded her $950,000. An attorney representing Hogan Prep told KCUR that since the alleged incident in 2018, the entire leadership team and many staff members are new. However, he said the school maintains that the claims are not true and is evaluating all legal options. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously. But now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org slash radioactive. On Friday, the Kansas Attorney General's office released a report from the Kansas Bureau of Investigation detailing decades of sexual abuse by Catholic priests in the state and the church's history of protecting accused clergy. Scott Canna is managing editor of the Kansas News Service. He covered that breaking news story for us, and he sat down with me to tell me what the report said and whether any of the accused might face consequences. So where did this report come from?
2: In 2018, Attorney General Derek Schmidt asked the Kansas Bureau of Investigation to look into sex abuse charges surrounding the church. This had all followed other revelations across the country, particularly in Boston and the archdiocese there. And then Kansas did its own accounting. But the difference here was that you had the KBI instead of the church making an assessment of what had happened over all those years.
0: So what were the report's key findings?
2: Well, for starters, 188 clergy were identified as criminal suspects. Now, that's over roughly 50 years, but it's quite a few, obviously. And the report echoes what's been found across the country in Catholic dioceses, that the church had routinely failed to pass on reports of suspected abuse to law enforcement. Instead, the pattern was that they would transfer priests who were accused of sexual abuse to other parishes or other dioceses once they became suspects. And then church even continued to support those priest financially. Ultimately, the task force issued 30 probable cause affidavits to prosecutors.
0: Does this mean the accused clergy will be prosecuted?
2: Likely no. First of all, you've got the statute of limitations. So many of these cases are decades old and um, you can only file a charge within a certain number of years. Now, there's been efforts across the country to change that, particularly in child abuse cases, so that when kids become adults and feel more in a position where they can make an, uh, an accusation, that charges could still be filed, but that's not the case for the most part. And the other thing they kept running into is that either the victims or the people who were accused are dead now. KBI agents did go to a ranch in Colorado run by Capuchin Province. It's a Catholic religious order that operates in Kansas and elsewhere. And where the KBI said there were, quote, multiple offender priests, unquote, living, but agents were turned away when they tried to speak with those folks.
0: What did the church say in response to the report?
2: Well, first of all, the church said that it was unaware of the report, hadn't seen it until it showed up in media accounts. Uh, Derek Schmidt, on his last business day in office, released it at five nineteen in the afternoon. and that gave it made it difficult for reporters and others to make an analysis and and check things out. But the, it appears that the archdiocese was caught off guard. Archbishop Joseph Noman, who leads the Archdiocese in Kansas City, Kansas, did put out a statement. He said, quote, you cannot read this report without your heart breaking, end quote.
0: So what have victims said in response?
2: Well, one of our reporters spoke with Janet Patterson. She says a Wichita priest abused her son, Eric. The church simply moved that abuser to another city. Here's what she remembers the priest's successor saying to her congregation.
1: I remember him saying, you must never criticize the priest. You must never criticize the priest.
2: Her son, Eric, later died by suicide
0: so what does the report say about the church today
2: the kbi said the church made improvements as early as 98 to discourage the practice where they would protect priests by moving them to other parishes and such once they faced allegations of abuse the kbi said the church became less prone to transferring those clergy and less prone to shield them from accusations or possible prosecution Uh, they say in the report that the church data says, "quote," indicates a decline in substantiated abuse over the decades, especially in recent years.
0: That was Kansas News Service editor Scott Cannon. Homeowners in one Kansas City neighborhood who are burdened by massive property tax increases will soon see relief thanks to a new and unique plan. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal
1: takes us to the West Side. There's a house on Avenida Cesar Chavez with three large chief's flags hung on the fence. Holiday lights are strong on the fence and around the roof. 80-year-old Alice Gomez has lived in this house since she was a kid.
2: And I will never leave the West Side. I will never leave here. This is my home for life.
1: But Gomez's life in her Westside home was threatened in recent years, when her taxes went from around $500 a year to $2,400. Westside owners in recent years, many of whom are Latino, older, and live on fixed incomes, have been grappling with these huge spikes in their taxes.
2: The neighborhood was devastated. They got smashed. We got smashed.
1: From 2018 to 2020, the West Side neighborhood saw a 128% increase in the average assessed value for owner-occupied homes, the highest out of any neighborhood in Jackson County. Manny Abarca was recently elected to the Jackson County Legislature to represent the West Side. He says the jump comes from inaccurate assessments by the county and construction of new luxury buildings in the neighborhood. Because you've not seen that development over the last 30 years in the West Side and you're seeing it all within the last 5 to 10, your values are compressed and they're going to go up uh, dramatically. Last fall, city council turned to a method it usually reserves for developers and businesses, tax breaks. Council approved a plan to dramatically cut the property taxes of Westside homeowners over 25 years. At a time when gentrification threatens to displace long-time low-income residents, the Westside Redevelopment Plan is a local response to that problem. More than 200 homeowners applied for the tax break this year. Gomez was approved, and her taxes were cut by almost a third other households who apply for the redevelopment plan could see similar decreases in their property taxes. The concept is that the biggest benefit goes to the lowest income people because they have the highest level of need. That's Colleen Hernandez, a longtime time Westside resident who worked on the redevelopment plan with her husband, Bobby. And the really unique thing about it is people's taxes are based on their income, not on their property value. Colleen and Bobby have seen the neighborhood transform in recent years. They see million-dollar homes built next to their neighbors' smaller, single-family homes. And they saw how high tax assessments were hurting their neighbors.
0: It just ran a lot of poor people completely out. They got scared. They don't know how to deal with it.
1: But the homeowner tax break brings up some of the same concerns as tax breaks for businesses. Namely, the city and school districts lose revenue. Abarca, who recently served on the board of Kansas City Public Schools, is concerned about what would happen if other neighborhoods adopt a similar plan. You are going to defund schools. You're going to defund fire safety programs. Um, You're going to start defunding entities you rely on. That's because Kansas City Public Schools receive funding through property taxes it was one of the only parties to oppose the redevelopment plan. Colleen and Bobby have called the West Side home for decades. For them, the purpose of the redevelopment plan was, essentially, to save the neighborhood. This is the Mexican heart of metropolitan Kansas City, and having them lose their home to foreclosure would, would gut the community. It would destroy it as we know it. Westside homeowners who did not apply immediately to the program still have three years to do so. Longtime residents like Alice Gomez and Colleen and Bobby Hernandez hope it'll bring much-needed relief to their neighbors and save the community they call home. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Salisa Kalakul.
0: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Inuji Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Scott's story on clergy abuse in Kansas and Salisa's story about the West Side, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.